We're in our series forward, and today, today, uh, before we end our consecration and fast, I want to talk for you, talk to you from the title. It's time to move forward. Put that at the top of your notes. And again, I know you have series, you have stuff in your, you, you have, um, you have notes, and now your notes kind of bleed into one another. I'm encouraging you during this series not to let them bleed on one another. Get a whole separate page. Get a whole separate page representing a whole new page of your life, a whole new page of your existence, a whole new page for what God wants to do in your life. God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing with us. So you got that title up there? It's time to move forward. I want to share some scriptures with you. I want to share some scriptures with you, and we're going to talk from this particular scripture, Deuteronomy 1, Deuteronomy one, I'm going to use the scripture and then I'm going to try to make it practical as the Lord is showing it to me. Amen. Deuteronomy 1, 5 through 8. Then we're going to go to Deuteronomy 2. It's Old Testament, but then we're going to swing over to the New Testament and get some practicalities out of this using our example who is Jesus is our example. He's our example. He's going to show us how to move on and move forward in our life. This is Deuteronomy 1 and 5, it says, on this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab. You know, this is, a, this is a good one for us to read together. Let's try it. Can you see it? Let's read it together. On this side of the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this law. Say, this law. Okay. Saying, the Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough at this mountain Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites and all the neighbors' places in the plain, in the mountains and in the lowland, in the south and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to them and their descendants after them. As we're reading this particular scripture in the first chapter, they have been in 40 years of wandering around the same mountain, 40 years in the same situation, 40 years of just recurring issues, 40 years of just in a cycle. Have you ever felt like you've been in a cycle? Have you ever feel like you're stuck or ever felt like that you're not, you're moving, but you're not moving forward? You're moving, but there's no progress. You can even feel like you're moving and you're going backwards in the whole thing. You can feel like it's just commotion. It's action. It's, it's as we say in Mississippi, it is all wretch and no vomit. Is that clear? It's action with no power. It's meaningless. What can cause a person? As a matter of fact, when I was, when I was reading this, I wrote down this phrase. And, the, and the, question, the, phrase, the question was, what's the similarity between my life, my church, my family, a bicycle, and an airplane? What's the similarity? In all five, when they stop moving, something bad's going to happen. When my life stops moving, something bad's going to happen. 
When my family stops moving, something bad's going to happen. When my church stops moving and evolving, something bad is going to happen. When a plane stops moving, something bad is going to happen. So there comes a time when you just have to move forward. What can cause people or any other thing, a business or whatever, to be in a cycle? Well, there could have been trauma. Trauma in your life. We've dealt with that a few weeks ago. Trauma and grief and sorrow and all of these other things that have happened, mistakes or sin. We dealt with that grief. Could be sickness or an illness or something that has been holding you back. We dealt with that last Sunday night. We dealt with anything that could be delaying us from walking in the presence of God and everything that he wants us to have. Am I right? So then there comes a time once you've, okay, also in my mind I'm thinking, also you, you can begin to feel like there is discouragement or there's more or there is something you should have obtained by now or there's something you should have, something you should have accomplished by now in all your work. You may look at your family and say, I brought my family to this place. So there's sorrow and grief and all this stuff that can flood you because you believe that you're the issue. Well, I come to tell you today that you should not feel any indictment against yourself for where you are right now. If there's no way to move forward if you feel guilty. You can't do it. You can't move, you can't move it forward condemned. When you're condemned, it means you're in jail. It means you're locked up. And Jesus came to unlock you from the jail you're in, even the prison that you can make for yourself. So it doesn't matter how far behind you think you are, what you caused you think are issues in your life. God says, I want you to move forward. It's his grace that allows us to do it. You may not even feel very good about yourself. Don't know why I'm stuck here, but I'm learning how to obey the Holy Spirit. You may not even feel good about yourself at this point in time. You may even be dealing with stuff in your own heart about you that maybe no one else knows or no one else feels. Shout it with me. Condemnation will get you nowhere. And you surely won't go forward. You will not go forward with those kind of feelings and things going on inside you. So now let's go to the second chapter, the second verse. Twice this is mentioned. Twice this is mentioned. Uh, but this time, I want to read it to you from the, uh, a different version of the Bible. This, this version of the Bible points out something I want to give emphasis to. Let's read it together. Then we, the, the New American Standard Bible, if you want to know, the New American Standard Bible. Let's read it. Then we turned and set out for the wilderness by the way of the sea. As the Lord spoke to me, for many days. And what did the Lord say? And the Lord spoke to me saying. You have been here long enough. See the issues are. Mountains are monumental. You can even be circling something you made happen in sixth grade. And that's your mountain. Some success, some, something that you felt like was really good about your life or something that fell apart. Mountains, mountains are made when two opposing ideas come together and fight one another until they push up. Mountains are made when plates or 
The earth comes together, moving in different directions and go up. So when God called you to do something great, and now there was an enemy fighting against you, the mountain, that monument is made when you graduated first in your, in your, in your house, when you conquered an illness, when you were the first to do something, when you got over something, it became a mountain in your life. The problem is a lot of us stay there too long. And we wander around this circle. Okay, you got married, but now we got to build a family. They're different. They're two different things. They may even alienate one another. Because a wedding is not a marriage. And a marriage is not a family. Praise God. So he says... You have circled this mountain too long. Ask yourself a question. Have I been circling the wrong stuff for too long? Now, because you never said it back to me, I can tell you you have. If you don't, if you, if you, if you, if you don't feel comfortable asking yourself the question, it means you've asked yourself the question and answered it in your own head. So don't, don't, don't let your neighbor know you're guilty this time. Say it out loud. Have I been circling this mountain long enough? Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Would anybody admit this morning, you, you'd say to yourself, I've been here long enough. Come on, I've been here long enough. I have been here. I know I've been here long enough. No one has to tell me I've been here long enough. I know I have been here long enough. It is time for me to move forward. So he says, go north. Go north. Go north. The territory you're supposed to gain is not here and it's not in the past. It's north. It's forward. Everything that you're supposed to do in your life is in your future. It's not here. It's not in your past. It's forward. So why would we sit here and cry and lament instead of moving forward? So listen to this now. In Hebrews 12, in Hebrews 12, we have this scripture that is so good to me, and I'm just going to get to the practicality. Say it's time to move forward. In Hebrews 12, we get this example of how Jesus moved forward, and I want to show it to you. How Jesus moved forward. How Jesus taught us to move forward. And the writer of Hebrews, most believe it's, it's Peter, he says, he says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so many, so great, so many, there, there are lots of people in these cloud of witnesses. He said, their grandma, grandpa, Paul, so, I mean, all these great people in the faith are now looking over heaven, looking at us. They're watching us. They are a cloud of witnesses. There are a cloud of encouragers that have finished their race. They're looking at us and they're encouraging us. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep moving. It's not as bad as you seem. It's not as bad as it looks. You're not as far behind as you think you are. <laughs> There's something better coming. Just keep on walking. There's something great around the corner. So they're yelling at us. They're praying for us. They're seeking for us. But listen to what, listen to what it says. So he says, since there's a cloud of witnesses, what should we do? 
lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is say set. You need to underline that in your Bible because I'm going to leave this scripture in a minute. this, This journey is set. The journey for your life is set. It, it is a set journey. It is a destination. It is a journey. It is a, uh, how do I want to say it? It's, it's planned. And it doesn't end where we are right now. We can choose to give up here or die here. But the journey doesn't end here. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here it is. Here's Jesus. That first part is ours. I'll show you in a minute. But here's Jesus. This is what they say about Jesus. Read it loud. Looking unto Jesus the So if we want to do this right, if we want to move forward correctly, we've got to look at Jesus as our example to do so. He's our example on how to move forward. And you say, well, Jesus was the son of God. He could do it. Well, so are you. You're called in the Bible. You're the son of God too. Hear the words. Who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame and has. That's it right there. That's the whole way we do everything. Simple in the Bible. If you're going to move, if you're going to move forward, Jesus is the one that shows us how to do it. So what do we do? I want you to read it in the message Bible. You might get a bit more understanding. Let's read it together. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Tell your neighbor, get on with it. Tell another neighbor, get on with it. No, tell that neighbor that's mad. Be anointed. That neighbor that, that's, that's, that's huffing and puffing, not looking good, not even smiling this morning. You can't even tell if they're up yet. They haven't had chocolate in about two weeks. Tell them it's time for you to get on with it. I grew up in a house. I don't want to divert, so let me put the clicker back. I grew up, I grew up in a house of 12 of 12 and 12 and 12. And when I was born, we had one bathroom. And I just remember people yelling, other people got to use the bathroom. Either you pee or get off the pot. There are some more of us standing out here. You got to, whatever you're going to do, you need to pull yourself together and get prepared to do it. I ain't going to get too many shouts today, but that's all right. Now watch, now watch what he says. Watch what he says now. It means we better get on with it. Do what? Strip down, start running, and never quit. Here we go. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on who both began and... Come on. Study how. Because he never lost sight that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put 
He can put up with anything along the way. Come on. Cross, shame, whatever. And what? And now... Shoo! So good, so good, so good. So what's the first thing that's got to happen? The first thing that's got to happen is we've got to deal with everything that is a heavy burden. And everything that is a reoccurring habit. A reoccurring habit, that's a sin. A besetting sin is not a sin that sends you to hell. A besetting sin is a sin that you know is not good for you. It's something you're doing and you know it's not good for you and you won't stop. And it reoccurs. It just keeps happening over and over again. You keep repenting and God loves you. He heals you. He forgives you. But it's still there. You've not dealt with this thing. You've not dealt with heavy burdens. We've been doing that the last two weeks. We've been dealing with what's heavy in our life. We've been bringing that to the altar. We've been bringing, we've been on, we're being honest with ourselves. Am I right? Okay. Now, this reoccurring, these reoccurring habits, these reoccurring sins that are built in maybe insecurity or ignorance or we simply don't know any better or we don't have the, the spiritual fortitude to change. He says you've got to deal with this. You have to deal with it all. You have to face it. And you have to say, I'm moving forward and I'm leaving this behind. I am moving on with my life and I'm not dealing with this anymore. This is, not gonna, this is no longer going to hamstring me. It's no longer going to hamstring my family. It's no longer going to ham, hamstring my business. It's no longer going to hamstring my church. Wherever I am, I'm going to be involved in it, and I'm going to move forward with everyone else that's moving forward. I'm not getting stuck here. And I'm not going to let this cheat me out of my possession. So deal with it. Jesus is our example. This is what he did. Bring bring me a chair from back there, Lamont. This is what Jesus did. Jesus began and he finished his work and he finished yours and mine. I want to show you something. He finished it. They'll, They'll take this down so you can see it up there. He finished it. Jesus lived on earth physically, but in his mind, he was already seated in heaven. What that means is everything he was supposed to do on earth was already done. He's not trying to be saved in his life. He's not trying to accomplish anything in his life. It's already done. So he could see his walk through life as a finished work. Finished. It says he's seated on the right hand of the Father. There are not three chairs in heaven like most churches. 
Big chair with two minister chairs next to it. That's, that's not the picture of heaven. There's one throne. God sits in it. Jesus is in Christ. Je- Jesus is in God, and we are in Christ. One throne. We reign with him. He finished everything, and then he started. So when it says, when it says, that, when it says that Jesus began and finished all our work, he began and finished everything. Now, what I have to understand is that, and I'll show you in a minute, that I'm seated in him. I'm here on earth, but I'm done too. In the kingdom, you are finished. In the kingdom, you're not really trying to do anything. You're just trying to keep up with what he's already done so you can walk in it. So a lot of the stress we feel (laughs) so he began it. Now watch this now. Here's the scripture. He began it and he finished it. He began it and he finished it. What did I say? This is how you move forward. You got to understand you're moving forward. You're not moving forward into oblivion. You're not moving forward into some no man. You're not moving forward into some no man's land. Read this. For we are created in Christ for good works, which. What did God do? Prepared what? Good God gave me a bad work. He, ne- he can't give you a bad work because everything he created for you is good. So anything bad going on in your life is because you chose it, how you think. Or- God doesn't create bad work. People ask so silly questions in church. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to deal with that today. So here we go. I am seated in Christ in heaven. Then I'm born on earth. I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm not there physically. I'm here physically, but in the spirit, I'm there. Complete everything finished. But I'm over here now, and I got to deal with life. How different would I be if I dealt with life from it's finished? Instead of, boy, I am so stupid. How did I end up here in this dumb place? Instead of struggle, instead of worry. If I understood things are finished, how different would my life be? I'd be able to do what Jesus did. He went ahead and sat in his finished place. Do that right now in the spirit. Just sit in your finished place. I am finished. It is finished. And even the crazy people around me are finished. It's all good. Everything is good. Everybody is good. Everything that God wants to do in my life, he has already done in my life. I don't have to make him do anything in my life. I don't have to beg him to do anything in my life. 
My consecration and prayer and fasting is not me trying to change God. I'm trying to change me. He doesn't have to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Give him praise right there. He never changes. I don't have to pray for him to change. I don't have to fast for him to change. I don't have to beg him to change. I don't have to beg him to do something in my life. Any, in everything I've ever prayed for already exists. He's already said yes to me. I just got to get myself in the place where I'm seated in the right place. And now everything on earth that's for me will come to me. It can't be denied me. It can't be denied me. If I would take my happy booty and sit down in heaven. But as long as I'm struggling, as long as I'm trying to figure it out, as long as I'm worried, as long as I'm not, I'm not in faith that he finished my work. And as soon as I get in faith that he has finished my work, I get to finish. There's nothing worse than running in place. He sat down. Here it is. Here it is. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he... What happened? Even when we were... He made us alive together with Christ... And raising us and made us. He is seated there and according to scripture, you are seated there too. And he didn't ask you if you wanted to sit there. He made you sit there. You are finished. Everything you're dreaming has been accomplished. Everything you've asked for, you have it in your hands. There is nothing that concerns you here. There is no devil up here. There's no temptation or sin here. No sickness, no disease, no poverty. None of that exists here. Sit there. I know it sounds weird, but sit there. As you walk through life. Keep your feet on earth and your head in heaven. Keep your feet here, but your spirit is heaven. And you never leave heaven. Why? Because Jesus now, this is what you got to do. Once he sat there, he came down to earth and he started walking. But he started walking with the word joy. Joy means it's already happened. It's not happiness because happiness goes and comes. It's joy. He has joy because it's already done. It's finished. He knows it. You need to know it. That everything you walk against is already finished. Anything that happens along your way is already done. Anything that waylays you, anything that's weird, anything that's supposed to take you out, it can't if you understand it's already done. Hello? When you get 
in front of a barrier and you start thinking, oh, this one right here might take me out. This one right here, I might die right now. This one right here is going to destroy my marriage. This one's going to take my kids out of the loop. If you believe that, how could you when you've seen the end? So this joy that's in my heart is because I know how this ends. If I move forward, if, if I could just pull myself together to move on with my life. I know what's in front of me. Somebody say joy. Joy, joy becomes unspeakable. Joy becomes, becomes unfathomable. You can't put words to it. But joy bubbles up in your soul. Even especially when you go. I mean, okay, okay. Can I find, can I find about 12 of y'all, just, just, just 12 of y'all that'll give me two minutes by standing on your feet so I can preach to you for a minute. Hey, hey, hey. This is what I'm saying right now. Pastor Linnell, everybody ain't went through stuff that could have killed them. There are people who've never faced anything that should have taken them out. But there are some of us in this room that don't really understand how we made it this far. So we look at our families and say, only God could have done this. And everybody else may be looking at you and saying, what a mess. What a mess of a family. What a mess of a marriage. What a mess financially. What a mess. What a mess physically. But in your mind, you're like, girl, I'm just glad to still be here. I'm just glad I'm still here. I'm glad I'm still alive. But people like us, we understand it now. When we bump into something big, we know what's getting ready to happen. Even though we might get physically or emotionally tipped off, we start, I can tell something's getting ready to happen. This would have never showed up in my life if something wasn't getting ready to happen. The reason this thing is happening is because God's got something big for me in front of me. Clap those hands. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay, you can sit down now. Joy happens when you're confronted with something. A little bit more monitor, please. Joy happens when you're confronted with something. And you can say it's already done. It's already done. It's already finished. It's already complete. I mean, I'm, I, I do that. I, I do that when I'm, walking, when I'm walking around. When I'm walking around and I'm facing something. And I know it's bigger than me. I, I get up. When I, when I feel that pressure, I don't, uh, I don't just sit. I get up, and uh, my, my, my kids would ask me this when they were young. Daddy, what are you doing? I'm saying, I, I, I just, uh, I believe God's getting ready to do something. They didn't know we were in trouble. Okay. <laughs> they didn't know that was an issue. They didn't know something was going on. 
But I just said, I just believe God's getting ready to do something in our family. But I would do, th- I would do this in the house. I would just walk. So God, I refuse to stay where I am. I refuse to hang out here. I know if I hang out here, I'm going to die here. I got to get up and I got to get moving. I got to start moving toward my destiny. I don't know how you're going to bring me out of this, but you gave me a dream. You gave me a vision. You gave me something in my heart. And I believe it's already finished. Somebody shout. Okay, so sit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he came back and he started. Here you go now. God finished you. Then you were born. Oh, my God. You got all these issues that happen. Every stage of your life seems like there's an enemy. But it never should bother you now. There's joy because you know it's done. It should never conflict you now. You don't have to get weirded out because it's already done. Relationships start in your life and they finish and they break your heart. But you got to know, you got to keep moving forward because it's already. There's a sickness or an illness in your body and you know that God can heal, but you know he can't heal you there. You got to keep moving because it's already You have a financial goal. You have a financial thing that's in your heart. And it's been eluding your family for a long time. And now here comes the big boom, the big, the big one, the big one. Whether it's losing a car or losing a house or losing your marriage or losing your family because there's no money. You have to keep moving because that is already done. If I stay here around this mountain, I'll never see it. So I have to keep moving toward This place where I'm seated in heaven. Now watch this now. If I have joy, now I can endure. Because Jesus endured. Jesus endured everything that he was faith with faced with along the way he endured it he endured it he counted it not to mean anything he saw it as just part of the process because he's finished no matter what happens i'm going to get here so i can endure what people think of me. I can endure what happens. I can endure my own disappointments. I can endure my own failings. I can endure anything in life, whatever happens to me, I can endure it. Because I have this joy that it's finished. Watch this now. He, the word says, he despised and ignored shame. 
You won't move forward till you get this. He despised shame. He said, shame is a trip I'm not willing to take. But Martin, you've done some stupid stuff, some crazy stuff. You're guilty. I might be, but I am not shameful. They are different. Shame is anything I feel or what people feel about me when they talk about me, when they say things about me. I should be ashamed because of my life or what I did or how I failed. I wish I could tell you how many husbands I encourage to stay with their families by getting over shame. I know your mind going, well, yeah, well, yeah, he did something to his wife. No. There are men who leave their families because they're ashamed they can't afford shoes. They are ashamed they don't know how to lead. They are ashamed they didn't have a father to teach them. They are ashamed because they're now they're married to a woman that could have come from a house with a father. They're ashamed that their wife has to catch a cab, Uber, Lyft to work. Shame causes you to stay where you are. Jesus decided, shame, I'm not taking your trip. I'm not dealing with you. I'm not going to rebuke you. I'm not even going to talk. Can, can I? Okay. Oh, boy. Shame. Okay. Mm. Shame will keep you from progress because it affects the way you feel about you. And when you don't feel good about you, you cannot feel good about your future. And I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I've been fighting this ever since we started this church. Ever since we started. Everyone who ever evaluates me or evaluates this church, they want to make sure that we preach the gospel of the Bible and make services pablum for you and make services easy for you and cause you to feel guilt and shame so you'll come to Jesus. And once you come to Jesus, everything will be all right. So I'm evaluated all the time and it's like, I don't know what to do with that because I know it doesn't work. The more I preach to you about what you've done, you're never going to let Jesus love you. Guilty people don't live in million-dollar houses. Guilty people don't start businesses. Guilty people don't go to school. Guilty people don't expect God to do something for them. So I refuse to do it. You're not guilty. Your sin is not under the blood. Dumb sermon. If I told you to go buy some Tide detergent to wash your clothes and then said, buy Tide because your, your, your dirty shirt, the dirt in your shirt will be under the Tide. 
what would you say? I mean, honestly, what would you say? I don't want my dirt under the tide. I want my dirt washed away. Your sin is not under the blood. It is washed away. It's not half clean or partly clean. You are perfectly clean so you can come before God and not even he remembers it. Do you know every time you remind God of what you did, he goes, really? So you have to despise shame. I want nothing to do with you. I am not shameful. I deserve everything that's completed for me in that seat. Every dream, every desire God put in my heart, I deserve it. And as a matter of fact, I already have it. It is already done. So Jesus now, watch what Jesus did. The scripture says, Jesus walked through life. Everything, the cross, shame, family, friends leaving him, disciples leaving him. He had, he had 70 disciples who were following him, who called him father and rabbi. 70 leave in one day. I'm not talking about congregation. These are friends. These are disciples. These are people in ministry with him. Left him in one day, 70. But it says... He knew it was finished, so he continued to walk, and the Bible says he sat down. This is where he started, and this is where he finished. This is where you start, and this is where you finish, seated in Christ. Everything finished. Everything complete. So now, when he says, you have been hanging around this mountain too long. It's time for you to get moving. Because this is not over there. This is a journey of joy for you. So watch what, watch what Isaiah 43 says. Watch what Isaiah 43 says. <laughs> You got to go to Mount Horeb. You got to go to the land of the Moabites. Don't have time to talk about that. You got to go to the land by the sea. You got to go to all these places and put your foot there. There's territory for you to take. There are things for you to possess. And you won't get them staying here in mediocrity. Because they're forward. Do not remember the former things. Nor consider the things of old.
I'm going to do it. You're fasting now, so maybe your spirit can hear what I got to say. You don't get what you pray for. You attract what you are. And if you're praying for something you're not, you won't get it. Here's what Jesus did. And this is what Isaiah is saying to you. Don't even remember the former things. Forget them. Well, I'm human. I can't forget. Yes, you can. You may not forget the incident, but you've got to untie your emotions from the incident. You've got to untie how you feel from what happened. Because you're not, you're a body that's been given five senses to tell your spirit how you feel. And your spirit communicates with God and gives you what you really want. So as long as I'm talking about the person who hurt me, I'm attracting more hurt. You can, and I've watched it. I can't wait for family series. It's going to be good this year. It's always good. I can't tell you when a couple gets married, and I watch it. I pray for it all the time. Every couple in this church that gets married, I pray, I pray, I pray. Because I understand that even if he's a good man or a good woman, depending upon who they marry and how they think and what they remember and what they talk about, they can turn him or her into bad thing and the marriage. Let me give you an example. He's a good man. She's a good woman. But they marry a man or a woman that goes into the marriage and one day one of them says this, you just like my ex. I knew I couldn't trust you. Or they say, I'm just so hurt and wounded, I need you to protect me. All this is them beginning to turn you into something because they're thinking and remembering former things. They don't even see you as new. Every job you take is old. It's the same stuff I had over there in that job. I should have stayed. No, you brought it with you. It wasn't here till you came. You brought former things into new relationships. So every time you're getting ready to do something new, God says, don't remember the old. Because as soon as I remember it last week, when I start remembering it and talking about it, I'm just bringing it right along. Come on, come with me. <laughs> come with me. It's like, it's like people who have... Okay, okay, don't get mad at me if I say it like this now. It's like people who have cats in their house and they don't know how to take care of them. <clears throat> now people say, oh, I love cats, Pastor. I, I'm, I love them too. I ain't no problem. I'm talking about cats in their house. They don't know how to take care of them. Dogs too, okay. You know how, they don't, you know how I know they can't take care of them? 
when they show up to talk to me, there's dog hair, cat urine. I'm like, what is that? It's a former thing. It's a thing that should be left at the house. Now y'all met. Don't call Peter. I'm good. It's, it's, it's stuff that should have been left. I ask business people before I go into business with them, tell me about your history. I love to hear them talk. The ones I go into business with never tell me about any loss. Now, to you, that's suspicious. You would say, you mean you never lost any money? Sure they have. But if you keep talking about losing money, <laughs> this is how this works. So you have to forget. Decide not to remember it. Let me take my glasses off so I don't see nobody. <laughs> AWC, it's time to stop talking about loss. Yeah. It's time to stop talking about what left and what didn't happen and what, who, what. Listen, it's time to stop. It's time to forget it. Don't talk about it. Talk about who's coming. Talk about people who need God. Talk about the great things, but don't talk about, don't talk about it. You just met somebody. You want to talk about your divorce. It's time to stop talking about it. Can I give you another clue? Why you mad and hungry? So you can't tell whether it's me or you need to eat. When I think about it, I will eventually talk about it. Out of the abundance of the, the mouth. So if my heart is full of loss, every day I'm going to talk about it. I'm having a great conversation. I'm having a great conversation a couple weeks ago at the grocery store in the organic session section and picking out some organic green beans. Okay, we got, I'm going to do that to y'all. Going home to steam my, my Daniel fast. Met this guy. I said, man, it's so great to meet you. I get a good feeling meeting you. He said, I do too. How are you? I said, I'm doing great. I said, how are you? Then he starts talking to me about his life and what he lost and what's happening now. And it's just a horrible thing. And I started bend over, bending over. He said, is there something wrong with you? I said, yes, that hurts my ears. I can't listen to all that junk about bad stuff in your life. He said, well, people need to talk about it. I said, no, some people need to shut up. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I haven't eaten in a while, so it's like, if we're going to do so, let's do it. But I'm like, I, I can't allow that in my ears. Well, let me be your counselor. Tell me what happened. Uh-uh, I don't need no sofa. I don't need no blanket. I don't need to spend $300 an hour for 25,000 weeks telling you what happened, telling you about being rejected, telling you about my mama died, and then my daddy died. It's a good old country song. The truck broke, the dog died, and the, the wife left me. A dang-a-lang-a-lang, dang-a-lang-a-lang. No, I don't want to talk about it. The more I talk about it, the more it shows up. If I talk about it... The world's going to send me some food that's going to serve me the same dish I've been eating. 
Okay, am I wrong? Lift your hands if I'm right. If I'm right, I know you're taking notes. Don't, don't look at nobody. Just lift your hand. You're right, Pastor. You're right. Can I tell you what's worse? Not Leon, but this is what's worse. Inside his head, he's thinking about something that happened. He goes to sleep thinking about it. Can't believe that happened. Why would she do that? Why would he do that? Why did they fire me? So when you go to sleep, that's the last thing on your mind. So for eight hours, you're stewing, bawling in rejection and suffering. When Job says it's in your meditation and David says it's in your meditation that you really pray. When your body sleep and your unconscious mind is reaching out to God. So this whole time you're asleep, you're praying for some rejection. That's like... Stupid good, isn't it? So you know what I started doing about nine years ago? I go to sleep listening to good stuff about me. (laughs) This is what I want to stew in as I go to sleep. Martin, you are the I am. There is a God inside of you. He is the God of gods. He loves you with an undying love. He has never remembered a stupid mistake that you make. To him, you're perfect. I'm like, woo, I'm going to sleep right here on this one. (laughs) He loves you with an everlasting love. Everything on the earth, he's given to you. Whatever you see tomorrow, it's yours. Go after it without fear, without wondering whether God wants you to have it. That's what you got to go to sleep to. You. Don't remember the things of old. And then he says, nor consider the things of old. What does that mean? That has nothing to do with this. Wandering around this mountain for 40 years has nothing to do with me going forward. They are separate. Any mistake I made has nothing to do, don't even consider that it has anything to do with what God wants to give me. I don't even consider it. I don't put them in the same sentence. God, I just believe you're going to do this for me. Please forgive me of my sin. Why you put all that together? Why is that together? Why is that together? I know I lost money on that last deal, but I'm praying you'll help me on this. Why, 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 Why would you put those together? My last relationship fell apart. There were some mistakes there, but God, I want you to give me another relationship. Why, 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 why? Those are not congruent. They don't belong together. They're not married. They're not the same. It's God. I think I don't even consider what's old. You're doing something new. And it's happening now. And now is everything to God. He doesn't want you to live in yesterday. And he doesn't want you to live in tomorrow. He wants you to live now. 
Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll worry for itself. Matthew 6, 33. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Now. Now is the day of salvation. Now is your opportunity. And it's time for you. It's time for us to move forward.